Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. People tell them that you're glad that they're here tonight. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you very much. Amen. I'm just going to give you a little little heads up that no matter how this Bible study ends tonight, I am going to ask you to come around the altar and pray a little bit. And uh, we'll have, we'll have uh, the keyboardists come up at the end and play a little bit. Uh, because we do have a baptism at the end. And uh, frankly, I just think it... It's a much better environment if we're up here and we're kind of praying and talking to God and then we go into a baptism. I think that would be great. And so just a heads up, I'm not preaching by any means, but uh, we, will, we will take some time to respond. The disciples come to Jesus and they come to him slightly uh, perplexed. They were, uh, they were the closest to him. They spending the most time with him. Uh, yet they didn't fully understand his teaching. They're, they come to him and they're a little bit... Uh, unclear as to what he is saying. They're looking for some more uh, details, if you will, because Christ is teaching in parables, and he does that a lot, obviously, in his ministry. He speaks to them a lot in parables because he is reaching to the people, to anyone who will listen to him. He wants them to hear something that they can use. He wants them to get it uh, to a degree. Uh, But the disciples being around him more often than others have learned by now that sometimes there's what he says, and then there's sometimes another layer and another layer and another. How many have ever found that to be true in your own life, that God speaks the same thing to you, but it's got layers in it? Amen. And that's a pretty powerful thing, and that's one of the, the great things about the, the apostolic faith and doctrine is, is that nobody ever kind of ages out, or, or should I say nobody ever gets so smart that, that they're like, well, I, I, I've heard all this before. Uh, it, there's plenty of depth for even the greatest, right? And, and so it, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing when you talk about hearing because even just the idea of hearing can be uh, so much more than what it might be on the surface. I was uh, thinking, do you remember, uh, I, I know you'll remember 9-11, but do you remember in the aftermath of 9-11 uh, when President uh, Bush showed up uh, the first time he showed up on the scene and he climbs up on that pile of rubble and somebody hands him a megaphone and he's trying to talk into the megaphone and it's, a, it's one of the great uh, political moments uh, and I hate to even say political, it was a great leadership moment um, when he's standing there on the rubbles of, of the towers and somebody shouts from out in the distance, we can't hear you. You hear somebody yell, we can't hear you. And uh, President Bush, he responds very uniquely. He says, I can hear you, the rest of the world can hear you, and the people who knock down these buildings are going to hear from all of us soon. And it was such a powerful moment, just standing there, the imagery of it, the rawness of what had just happened on American soil, and our leader, our president, standing up and saying that, and suddenly the idea 
of hearing was transformed into a much larger declaration. It, it, it was magnified into more than uh, something we received, but into something that would become action, that we were going to take action. There, I hear you, amen, we all, the world hears you, and the people who did this are going to hear from all of us. Now all of a sudden, it's not that they're just going to hear from us, but it's going to be because we're going to take some action against the people that were a part of this. And so it magnifies the idea of hearing. So Jesus is talking about seed and the sower, but it is realized very quickly that this is not just about their farming practices, that Jesus isn't just telling them about how they should farm and how they should grow food and what the best way to sow seed was so that they could have the greatest crop uh, that they've ever had. Uh, But no, he's talking uh, about the condition of the heart. And he's talking about the heart of man and the effect on the seed that falls on the heart. And he's he's speaking to people. He's not speaking to farmers and he's not speaking about crops. He's speaking to them and about their heart and what happens when, when the word falls on their heart, the effect that it can have based upon the condition of their heart, that the, the condition has a direct connection to the success of the seeds we receive, right? And so uh, we, we get a lot of seeds. Uh, We're in church a lot. We read our Bibles daily. We probably, because we love the Word, we probably watch YouTube videos and we participate in music and stuff that has got the Word of God in it and seeds of faith in it. And they routinely are are being sown into us or into our lives. And if our heart is right and if our heart is prepared to receive it, we are strengthened by that, right? Right? We're strengthened by that, by what we receive. However, uh, if our hearts are not right or if we're not prepared to receive what God is trying to say to us, then, then that word can get choked out. It can get destroyed. Uh, our refusal, perhaps, to deal with an issue that is cluttering up our heart. Maybe there's some things in our hearts that we're just not really ready to deal with. We're not really ready to lay them down on an altar of sacrifice. We're we're holding on to some stuff, and it's not conducive to growth in our life. And so even though the right seed or the right word is spoken to us, how we hear it based upon the effects of our heart is going to determine whether it helps us or not. And unfortunately, if we haven't dealt with our heart, we can have all the right word, all the right seed coming to us, and we're not getting the benefits of it. Amen. You can absolutely be in the right place at the right time and God can speak the right word and it can come to your ears and have not the effect that it should have. Because ultimately God is not going to override the condition of our heart. He's not going to override that we have a bad attitude that day. He's not going to override that we're refusing to let something go that happened on the way to church or the phone call or the text or the person who cut us off or honked so quickly when the light turned green and we're angry about that and why are we angry about that or whatever the issue may be we got sadness or 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 we're allowing uh some fears and anxieties or depressions to kind of begin to speak into our lives and while we're sitting in the presence of god 
the very word that we need to help us may be falling on our ears, but because we have the wrong heart. Jesus explains to them exactly what he means. He goes on, Luke 8, he's saying in 11 through 15, he says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They that are, are on the rock are they which when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root, though, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation they fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard, they go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Having heard the word, they keep it. Oh, that's significant. I just got to tell you from a pastor's perspective, that is extremely significant. They didn't just hear the word, but they kept it. Amen. It didn't just something that was said. They didn't just say, oh, that's good. That's probably for me. That sounds good. I like the way that sounded. Or, or oh, I know that was for me because that slapped me right upside the head and that felt like a, that felt like a dart to the heart. But, but they heard it and they kept it. And because of that, he tells them, it will eventually bring forth fruit. As long as you keep the word. As long as you don't find some way to get rid of it, some reason to forget it, some, some issue in your life that I'm going to let it go, I don't want it anymore. He says, with patience, everybody say patience. With patience, this, this apostolic life is a very interesting thing. We, we live in such a, uh, just an interesting atmosphere, and, and, and even the apostolic culture, I don't even mind using that terminology. I, I believe there's a culture, uh, biblical apostolic culture. But we at, simultaneously, we believe that somebody can be miraculously changed in a moment. But we also have no reason also believing that if someone will just hold on and trust God and believe and have faith and do the right things day by day, that God can bring them to another level, to a higher level. So it's, it's, it's an odd thing to, to believe that God can do it all in a moment, but he doesn't have to do it that way. And we can also see great change in our life over time. He says that it will bring forth fruit if you hold on to it with patience. You've got to have a little patience. Amen. Now, that also means, I'll just say this, that also means that we have to have patience with people. That means we have to have a little bit of patience. You say, well, they've been in church for a month. Well, they've been in church for six months. Well, they've been in church for a year. Well, okay. I don't know what that means. Like, <laughs> nobody ever told me. I mean, I've been in this thing my whole life. Nobody ever told me that there was some sort of, like, organized timetable by which everything was supposed to happen. 
I've never heard that. I've never seen it presented biblically where it's like, well, if you've been in church six months, you should believe this by now. And if you've been in church for a year, then these things should not be a part of your life and you should have our... Sometimes we have to have a little patience. Now, you, now you, can, you can make a, a good argument that people should be farther along. And I would say, I agree with you 100%, and that applies to all of us. I should be farther along. Is anybody, is anybody in here just way ahead of the curve? You're just the A student in the class. You're just messing up the curve for everybody. I'm just so far, I'm so much further ahead than I should be. Bless God, I live for God so good that I, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I don't think so. And we don't, we don't celebrate the people that are just dragging their feet. We don't celebrate the people that refuse to change. The, the, we don't do much. We pray for them. We love on them. We try to help them. The, they're the ones that are suffering. They eventually will bring forth fruit if they have patience. There's a process that it can be a part of this life that's important. It's an important process. And he says, so some exist by the wayside. Everybody say the wayside. Uh, the road, a, a beaten down path. Uh, they, they exist on this wayside. This wayside is, is kind of often used illustratively as a path to destruction. It's, it's, it's compacted by the constant footsteps of the blind leading the blind. It's just this major broad way that people are just, stumbling down through life and they're convinced that because everyone else is using it it must be the right path right must be the right one everyone else is going this way we were in uh, <laughs> we were in we were at this in South Dakota this week and we went downstairs they they have like this little break in between services and they had some food I guess and so I walked downstairs my wife was already down there ahead of me and she was standing in line and so I walked over, and I got behind her in line. And I'm like, uh, are, are, what are we standing in line for? <laughs> She's like, well, there's, there's some food up here. And I was like, well, I'm not really hungry. So at that point, I'm just standing in line for what? It's just standing in line because there's a line? Have you ever just stood in a line and didn't know why the line was there? Do you ever see a group of people? You ever see a crowd of people someplace, and you're like, I wonder what's going on over there? I want to go see what's going on over there. And then you get on over there and there's nothing going on. And you're like, why is everybody over here? There are people that exist by the wayside. They're just kind of following along whatever the masses are doing. It's not hard for the devil to steal the seed away from them. They, 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 never, they never heard that seed fall in the first place. They weren't paying attention. They didn't see it. They didn't hear it. They didn't even know it was there. The devil just steals it away and... And, and it, it's gone. They, they, they don't even know what they're missing. And that's sad, and, and we hate that, but that, that's not the only people that exist in the world. Some exist, he says, uh, on, on a rocky, in a rocky terrain, in a rocky soil, and they receive, he says, the word with joy. Everybody say with joy. They receive the word with joy. They love the idea of God and faith and the gospel, but they don't have any root. They don't have any level of commitment. 
There's no dedication to it. They love the idea of it, but they don't have any level of dedication. And so because they have no level of dedication, they get all excited about it when, when they're in a moment, when they're in a service, when they're in a, a, a spiritual environment. They get the goosebumps and they get excited and they're like, oh, this is really cool. But because it, there's no root of it in their life, the slightest temptation comes along the next day and it just takes it away. It's just, it's just gone almost as quickly as it, there. It was unrooted seed, and so they, they, are, they just remain unchanged. Uh, uh, this, is, this is a huge segment of our society today that are, would call themselves spiritual or spiritualist. They get excited about spiritual things if that's what people are talking about. They don't live for it. They don't love it. It's not their whole life. But if they're in an environment where people are talking about it, they get excited. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm spiritual. I'm, I, but but you know, the moment's gone and the, the temptation comes and it just, it's, it disappears. And some exist among the thorns, the Bible says, and there is ground there to grow. There is ground. The thorns, by the way, are growing. Thorns have to have dirt and nutrients and stuff to grow in too. So the, 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 the thorns are growing, but it's, a, it's an inhospitable place. They, they hear, they hear the word, but then they go their way, and, and they have to give all their time and energy. They choose to give all their time and energy to, to other things because the word, though they have it, doesn't have any priority in their life. It doesn't have any priority, and, and, and they're, they're just caught up. And everything else, the job is so important, and the relationships are so important, and the making of money is so important, and the gaining of the position is so important, and, and all of this other stuff is so important that it really just chokes out what God is trying to do in their life. But if we can, the Bible says, we can get our heart right. It's not perfection that he is looking for, but it's honesty and goodness, he says. It's not perfection. It's honesty and goodness. It, it simply means that our heart is available for use. That if God wants to plant some seed in my heart, that, that he, there's room for him. That there's a good spot available for him that's just for him, that it has, it has priority in our lives. There's room for the seeds. And they not only can hear the word, but they can then keep the word. So this is important for us to understand because we are an apostolic people. We are Pentecostal people. We are a go ye therefore and all the world type of people, make disciples type of people, be ye witnesses type of people. And so that means we work with people. But we have to understand some things about how the seed works and the importance of the heart and how can we help somebody declutter right? Because there's a lot of word, there's a lot of scripture, there's a lot of stuff that we can quote and say, but what's it falling on? What is it falling on? The addition of the words keep it that I mentioned earlier, have you heard the word and keep it? They take this from simply hearing to listening. How many know there's a difference between hearing and listening? I hope it's not true, but it's possible someone is hearing me tonight but not listening to me. 
Our ears are designed to hear everything within the reach of their capability. They are designed to hear. That's what they do. Whether you want to hear it or not is really not up to you. You're going to hear it because that's what happens. But that's a totally different thing than listening. Listening is a choice that is made by the hearer. Everybody say a choice. And James 1 and 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift to hear means you need to be paying attention, listening intently. I want to be swift to that. I don't want to be swift to speak. I need to be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Hearing doesn't get me in trouble. Speaking gets me in trouble. Right? Hearing doesn't hurt people. It's what they speak that hurts them. And, and of course, slow to wrath, amen, which is, which is a, a kind of a progression, if you will, of the negative road that you can get on when you talk and you act before you listen. It goes on to say in James 1, 25, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. When you, when you have no activity, when you hear and hear and hear and hear, but you don't ever do, you're just deceiving yourself. Amen. You're just deceiving yourself as to what you are and, and how much of a, a believer in God's word you are and what kind of a, a apostolic you are. I hear, I hear, I hear, I hear, I hear, but I don't do. He says, if that's you, then you're deceiving yourselves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man who looks at his face in a glass, in a mirror, and he beholds himself, and then he goes his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. It's like a man who looks himself in the mirror, sees exactly who he is, knows exactly what he's about, but then he walks away from the mirror and acts like he's something else. Forgets who he really is. Forgets what's really going on. I mean, there's not a whole lot of, in life. There, there's very few experiences in life that can really just kind of be real honest than when you just look at yourself in the mirror. Just look into your own eyes, right? Because you, you, it's totally unlike looking into someone else's eyes because when you look into someone else's eyes, you can make up whatever you believe is going on in their head and whatever their life is like and whatever their thoughts are. But when you look at yourself in the eyes, you can't make up anything. Because you know what you know better than anyone else knows it. And so the man walks away from the mirror and pretends and forgets like he doesn't know the manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein and stays therein, keeps looking at the law of liberty, keeps his eyes focused on the word, doesn't walk away and be a forgetful hearer, but, but is a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Shall be blessed. Somebody say, shall be blessed. Shall be blessed. Already predetermined by God that if you'll keep your eyes on his word and go forth and be what the word tells you to be, you're going to be blessed. 
The Lord has spoken so much into our lives, but the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we truly hearing him? Do we really listen? Because if we are, then there should be some sort of response to the word. Right? There ought to be some sort of response. David said of the word that God had given him in Psalm 119, I understand more than the ancients. Why does he say I understand more than those before me? Because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might look. Keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments. For thou hast taught me how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, we love lamp under my feet, light under my path, thy word. That's great. That's a nice, that's a nice little flow. It's easy to remember. That's an easy-to-memorize verse. But the stuff that he says before it about keeping the precepts and, and keeping the word and not departing from the judgments and, and remembering what has been taught, holding on to what I've learned, that is how. Because he did those things, that's how the word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. If I don't receive the word, if I don't stay focused on, on the things of God, if I walk away and forget who I am and what I'm about, I'm not going to be on the right path. I'm not going to do the right things. In Genesis 1, 1 through 5, you know it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without void, form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. There was light. God saw that the light, that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. But God didn't create darkness, right? Because darkness was simply the absence of light. Darkness is what you get in the absence of God's word. That's where darkness exists. When God spoke, he said, let there be light. He named the darkness night, but he created the light. He gave darkness a name, but he created the light. The word night in the Hebrew means a twist or a turn away from the light. Now, that's interesting in both a spiritual context and just a natural context because our earth on its axis is always just a turn away from the light, right? So he says of the earth, of the night, that when it's night, it means that it's turned away from the sun. But, of course, we understand that he puts things in his Bible and that there are layers to it, and there are spiritual context that we can learn and understand that when I turn away from the light, that I will then exist in darkness. If I turn away from his word, that I will exist in darkness, that you and I are simply are turn away from the darkness. But the beauty of it is, and this applies to every living human being, is just as easy as we are just to turn away from the darkness, we are also just to turn away from the light. 
They're just a turn away from the light. When we look at people, we, we, we need to see them differently. We need to understand that it's not that they don't want the word. They just got some clutter going on in their heart. We can maybe help them with some of that clutter so that some of that word might actually get in there. It's not that they love the darkness, and it's not that they're, 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 there's despair and there's no hope for them. They're just a turn away from the light. It's not that there's no hope. It's not that they're too far gone. They just need a little help with the heart and with the turn back to the light. Amen. James 1 and 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither is there shadow of turning. He is the Father of lights and he is offering us everything we need. It all comes from him. Every good and perfect gift comes from him, but he produces no Shadow. He doesn't produce a shadow because he doesn't move. He is light and he doesn't move. We do. He doesn't move. He's like his word, forever settled in heaven. And he gives off light. And all directions of where he is is lit up. He doesn't produce a shadow. So the only way that I can not be in the light is if I move. Right? If I turn. Darkness comes into anyone's life, it's because they've turned. Jesus says to his disciples and those who were, those who were receiving the most seed or the most word or the most light, however you want to look at what he is saying here, he looks at the ones who are getting the most of it because they're with him 24 hours a day. And he says in Luke 8, 16, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. He says, no one hides light on accident or without purpose. If you're going to hide light, you're going to do it on purpose. Right? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna do it on purpose. God once told Gideon to hide a light temporarily, didn't he? A strategic battle technique in Judges. Gideon and a hundred men that were with him came into the, into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set on the watch, Judges 7. And they blew the trumpets, and they break the pitchers that were in their hands, and the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the, the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all, and they cried. That was the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and they stood every man in his place around, and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. They had a light inside of a clay pot so that the light couldn't be seen, and they had a trumpet in one hand. And when they got direction... They broke the pot. So all of a sudden, there was all this light, and it was surrounded the whole enemy camp. And they, they broke the pot. The light shone. They blew the trumpet, and, and, and they, they shout out, amen, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they just scream and shout and blow the trumpets, and they got the light. And the enemy that's down in the valley in the camp is looking around like this and saying, oh, my Lord, look at this. We're surrounded. We're all going to die. It was a strategic battle plan, it was, it was, but it was, it was only God did that to properly position them and, and, and that they, they kept it quiet, they hid their light, but once they were positioned, their power didn't come from keeping the light hidden. Their power came when the light was exposed. Amen. The power came from their light being exposed. 
And so we have, to, we have to understand that God is always positioning us. God is always putting us in positions to be successful in what he wants us to be successful in, which, by the way, is being witnesses of him. That's really the real measure of success that God cares about. Sure, you know, he can make ways for you to get the promotion. He can make ways for you to get the stuff. And he can make ways for human relationships and all that kind of stuff. But the, the, the major me- measure of success in God is when we are disciple makers and we are witnesses. Because that's dealing with the eternal. And the eternal always outweighs the temporal. Right? And so, and so we're, we, he says you can be positioned by God, but, but we're never, uh, he's never empowering us to keep the light hidden. The, the, this world, uh, the only hope for this world is that we expose the light that is inside of us. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have light inside of us. We have the power of the Holy Ghost. It's light. Now, thankfully, I don't know, maybe it would work out better. Maybe it would work out better if we just walked around with like light beams coming out of our eyes and out of our fingers. People would just be like, that dude has got something. Maybe it would be, you know, be easier to get people's attention. But the truth of the matter is, is that apostolic children of God have got light that just exudes out of them. At least they're supposed to. They're supposed to. As long as they haven't allowed their hearts to get cluttered again. As long as they haven't allowed rocks to get back in the soil. As long as they haven't allowed thorns to grow back up where thorns don't belong. As long as they have kept a place of good soil for seed, the word of God lives in them. And the word of God is God and it shines forth from us. But that takes us back to how we hear. We need to be hearers of the word and doers of the word. But to be a doer of the word, I have to hear correctly. And so I have to make sure that every time I come to the house of God, that I am hearing what the Lord is saying. i got to make sure that every time I open my Bible and I read it, that I am hearing what God is trying to say to me. That that seed that is being spread out is falling on good soil. This whole parable, if you just keep digging down the layers, is not just for the people who are currently rocky soil, currently wayside, currently the thorns. It's also a, a call and a warning to those who have got the seed and have heard the word that once they get it, they don't just get comfortable with it, forget about it, and then go allow rocks and thorns and things to come choke out what they've already received, which we can easily do. 
We can easily come and sit on a church pew and do the motions and go through the stuff and act the right way and say the right things. But, but really, we're, we're not really looking honestly in the mirror. It doesn't really match what's really going on. And that's important to God. That matters because, because then that's going to negate my ability to shine forth my light. Amen. Negate my ability to shine forth my light. So we, we, we have this treasure, and we have the light of God's word in us, and we are talked to by Scripture to command the light to shine out of the darkness. This isn't, this isn't a private club. We're not about exclusivity. You, you didn't, you know, meet some sort of financial threshold to get in here or have the right name or whatever. We all got here by the grace of God. We're all still here by the grace of God. Everything that we do is because God loves us and empowers us and helps us to do it. But we learn that we have to continue to hear what the Lord is saying because he says in Luke 8, for nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest. Neither is there anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. You say, well, is the, is the entire world really going to hear the gospel? Is, is every creature going to hear? Uh, is it even possible that everyone will get a chance at this truth? Those, those questions are bigger than our ability to understand. God knows how that's possible. Our concern should be, what are we doing with the light we've been given? That's our concern. Not how is the whole world ever going to hear the gospel and how is everybody ever going to get a chance. That's not the concern. The concern is, is how is my coworker going to hear the gospel? How is my family or my neighbor or my friend, how are they going to get a chance to turn from the darkness to light? How, how are they going to get a chance to deal with, who's going to help them with the clutter in their heart that's keeping the word of the seed of, the seed of God's word from forming in their life? He says in Luke 8 and 18, Take heed, therefore, how ye hear, for whosoever hath uh, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. Those who have heard and kept the word those who have a heart that is allowing God's word to grow and therefore light to shine they shall receive even more he says good news good news if you're receiving the word and if you've got a place in your heart for the word of God and you've got light growing in your life and you're doing it the right way guess what there's more on the way there's more coming for you God's going to use you in a greater way you're going to be able to reach more people your testimony is going to be more effective your, your, your reach is going to expand if you're doing those things he says, those who do not allow the seed to grow, those who hide the light and keep it to themselves, it shall be taken away from them. He said, I'm, gonna take this, I'm taking this away from you because you're not doing anything with it. I gave this to you to do something with it. I gave you my word to grow you so that you might help others to grow, but you're not doing anything with it. It shall be taken away from them. He says, even that which they seem to have but really do not. It shall be taken. That's a very interesting little 
way that that verse is worded. It's as if he's saying that eventually those who seem to have influence and they seem to have an impact on people and they seem to have a lot of uh, people care what they have to say and they may attract the masses and they may have opportunity to address large crowds, but the light they have will be taken from them, the light people thought they had. They didn't even really have it. They didn't even really have it will be taken away. The influence. It's an interesting thing about influence, and I'm coming to a close. It's an interesting thing about influence is there's, there's, we assign influence to people who don't often really have influence. We say that they have influence because we think that a lot of people care what they have to say. The reality of it is is so often very few people care what they have to say. There are things happening in our lives right now. Right now, there are things happening that prove that just because you have the biggest megaphone and just because you have all the power and just because you have all the money, you can't make people do something they don't want to do. And we think they have so much influence. We think they have so, man, they're just controlling everything. But obviously not. Because... Some people are just not doing it. And you can apply that to a lot of places and a lot of things in life where we assign influence to people that they don't really have. But even in that, God says, even the people that you have made up in your mind that they have influence, I'm going to take that away from them. Even though they never had it in the first place, I'm going to take it away. And that means who's left? Who's left that's going to actually make a difference in the world? It's the person who has a place in their heart for the seed of God's word to continually be planted and it's growing in them and their light is growing and therefore their true godly influence is growing. That's who's really going to make a difference but you gotta have a little patience. You gotta have a little patience and let God do what God is going to do so we are, we are admonished by Christ. Take heed, therefore, he says, how you hear. How you hear matters so much. Oh, God, help me. You've seen me do this a lot of times when we have guest speakers. I, I do this because it's something I did in my life long before I was ever in front of people, and I feel like it's helpful. A lot of times before I'll have a guest speaker come to this pulpit, I'll say, let's raise our hands and let's tell God, Lord, I'm not going to worry about the person on my left. I'm not going to worry about the person on my right. I want you to speak to me tonight, God. I want you to help me. I do that because that's something I did before I was ever pastoring. It was something that I learned at some point in my life that it was necessary for me to say it out loud. When I'm in a room and there's a preacher up there and somebody's talking and somebody's teaching, I can't, this can't become about, man, I hope so-and-so is listening. I, I hope so-and-so over there really get, this is good for them. Or I wish they hadn't missed church tonight. This feels like this was just for them. I can't wait to get home and tell my spouse about all this stuff that they needed to hear. I'm going to get on Facebook and I'm going to share this because other people need to hear it. And that may be true, but we need to hear it. I need to hear it. Amen. 
I can't tell you how many times in my ministry I've said something, it came out of my mouth, turned around and slapped me in the face. And I'm glad about that. I don't, I don't want that to stop. The word is powerful. But he says, take heed how you hear. And how we hear is very important. It's no small thing to the Lord. Stand with, stand with me if you would, please. Luke 8, 19-21, then came to him his mother and his brethren. This is now past what we read to start off with. This is very powerful. His mom and his brothers come to where he's at. Jesus' mom and brothers. And they couldn't get to him because there's this huge crowd of people around Jesus. Of course there was. Why not? I mean, everything he said was powerful. He spoke with authority. He's healing people all over the place. So his mom and his brothers are on the outside of this huge crowd, and they're trying to get Jesus' attention. And finally, word of mouth passes through, and it gets to Jesus, and they say, thy mom and your, your brothers, they're, they're, they're standing out here, and they want to see you. They're out here on the outside of the crowd, and they want to they talk to you. They want to see you, Jesus. And Jesus says to those people who said that, my mom and my brothers are those which hear the word of God and do it. They hear it, but they also do it. That, he says, is my family. That is my family. So we cannot be hearers only. We are not called to be light hidden in a vessel. We're not called to get rid of the thorns and then the thorns grow. We get rid of the stones and then we bring the stones back in. We're on the hard path and then we get off them to the narrow way and then we go running back to the hard path again. It's just, there's no growth in that. There's no growth in it. We can't progress. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, 2 Corinthians 4, and that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. That what he did is manifest or it shows forth in what I do. How he lives shows forth in how I live. What he said shows forth in what comes out of my mouth. What was in his heart shows forth in what's my heart. And because of that, I'm troubled, but I'm not distressed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I can be persecuted, but no, I'm not forsaken. I can be even cast down, but I won't, I will not be destroyed because this isn't just about me. I've got God inside of me. I've got word inside of me. I've got light inside of me. There ain't nothing that the enemy can do about what God has put inside of me. I want us to gather around the front. We're going to respond a little bit. We're going to have a baptism here very shortly, but let's just gather around the front and, uh, Matthew 5 tells us very plainly, let your light so shine before men that what? That they may see your good works. And then what are they going to do? 
they're going to glorify your Father, which is in heaven. I want the world that I live in to see my good works, not because of who I am, but because what God has put in me. The works that I do are there because of the seed, the word, the light that God has put in me. I want God to, I want the world to see the works of God in me. And then I want them to lift up their eyes and glorify God because if he can do it for me, he can do it for them. Why don't we lift our hands and just talk to the Lord a little bit about it. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.